Hello and welcome to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. I'm your host, Lauren Edelstein with North Star Meetings Group. Eventful, the podcast, is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. While meeting planners had high hopes that the new year would be one of recovery, 2021 got off to a rocky start in January. In addition to a slow vaccine rollout, the attack on the Capitol raised new fears about event safety. Emily Schoening, Associate Editor of North Star Meetings Group. On this episode of Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals, I spoke with Elliot Ferguson, President and CEO of Destination DC and National Chair of the U.S. Travel Association. Ferguson discussed what it was like to be in DC during the insurrection and shared what the CBB is doing to address planner concerns around civil unrest. He also discussed new hybrid and virtual event offerings available at the convention center and how the city is adapting to a changing meetings landscape. So thank you so much for joining us today. And I want to start first by asking you what it was like to be in D.C. during the attack on the Capitol and to see this happening in your city. Well, first, at least, it's my pleasure uh, to spend some time with you and talk to you about uh, Washington, D.C. And, of course, all the things in which we saw on January uh, 6th as they played out globally. I mean, I've lived in Washington since uh, December 2001, right after 9-11. And um, as you can imagine, between trying to recover from 9-11, then dealing with Sniper in, in the greater Washington area, then Anthrax, six government shutdowns, a pandemic, and then, of course, uh, what happened over the summer and the insurrection on January the 6th. It, it's one of those things where you're sitting there in shock. You know, I'm, I was in my office that day, and we were really focusing on how we were going to salvage period of time, which normally would generate a lot of economic impact for the city, being the inauguration during a pandemic, and then, of course, witness what the world witnessed and, and um, in sadness. And I think that part of it was my personal feeling in terms of being a Washingtonian, living on Capitol Hill, not far from the Capitol building, seeing what was going on. And then, of course, the global perspective of Washington as the world saw that happening in the city. Yeah, I just can't imagine what it was like to be there in the city. I was watching it on TV from my apartment here in New Jersey, but it's a very different experience to be there. Yeah, absolutely. Not only seeing what was happening and, you know, in my office, which is in Chinatown downtown, watching protesters, some that were at the rally that chose not to go to the Capitol building, walking back to their hotels, and, you know, there is a reality. There was a percentage of those people that were the people that were here that came for the rally and went back to their hotels. And then you saw the insurrection, those that, that went and charged Capitol Hill and were rioting and doing all the things they were doing. And I feel sorry for those who came to exercise their First Amendment right, even though I don't agree with why they were here. That's still their right to come to Washington and to do that because they're all being lumped into what happened on the Capitol grounds itself. And watching what happened during the summertime with Black Lives Matter and seeing some of the similarities, whereas some of the things that happened, the looting, which was a small portion of what was going on during the summer, really everybody was lumped in together and all thugs and everything else that were here for peaceful reasons. So there was a tale of two different types of people that were here in the city. And the unfortunate outcome for them is what we saw on TV, what we're continuing to see. And for us, the positive was what happened last week on January 20th 
with the inauguration, listening to the news and realizing that there were 25,000 troops in the city, streets were blocked off, and the city was on lockdown, but also realizing the beauty and majesty of the inauguration, the things they put on the mall, and of course the evening events and activities themselves, which painted a different picture of Washington as a destination. And quite frankly, that's the image that we want people to remember as we memorialize the insurrection that happened on January 6th. It was an interesting juxtaposition two weeks later with what happened, um, of course, in the city with the inauguration. Yeah, that's a great transition, actually, to my next question. I wanted to ask you about the inauguration, and D.C. has a history of being a top destination for meetings, and usually the inauguration is a chance for the city to show off its ability to accommodate large events. This year, obviously, it looked a bit different, but what is your outlook for hosting meetings and events in D.C. in 2021? Well, you know, we we are eternal optimists, and we recognize the fact that what we want versus what might happen or might not happen is out of our control because, of course, we have to focus on the vaccine being administered nationally and globally. So at this point, as we're looking at 2021, we've realized that we've lost meetings through June of this year. However, we still have some groups that are on the books for the second part of 2021. And what happens between now and probably May will determine what they do in terms of physically trying to meet. I know that as an industry, you know, the U.S. Travel Association, DMOs, and all the association world is trying to figure out a way in which we can come back together and meet in person, realizing that there's probably going to be a combination of in-person meetings coupled with hybrids and folks doing what we're doing now and, um, and not physically meeting or wanting to travel. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. I think there is good news in terms of groups still on the books. I'm very optimistic with what President Biden has said in terms of his rollout of the vaccine. And if we're on track with the 100 million being vaccinated in his first 100 days, plus the 200 million that he just purchased, that is very optimistic for all of us and the industry. Yeah, and we've been tracking planner sentiments, and a lot of them are planning to still hold meetings later in the year and are rebooking for then. Um, but one thing we did see in our most recent poll survey was that a growing number of planners are concerned about civil unrest and how that might impact events moving forward. How is Destination D.C. addressing planner concerns around the potential for political violence? Yeah, absolutely. Interestingly enough, it has not come up in conversations per se, but we recognize the fact that there will be a sense of concern in Washington, D.C. with civil unrest. I will say that there's a fundamental difference between protests and unrest. And the thing that I appreciate about being in Washington is that contrary to what you saw on January 6th in terms of reaction to the protesters and rioters, there are 19 policing agencies in Washington, D.C. with FBI, CIA, Secret Service, D.C. police, and the list goes on and on and on. And I think now with this new administration, with a heightened sense of security within these organizations, now more than ever, this is a very safe destination. We just need that to be reoccurring. We we should not have ebbs and flows. We should not have to wait for something to happen before everyone is working together. The reality is these policing agencies talk on a regular basis. And contrary to what we witnessed on the 6th, they connect all the time in terms of emergency responses We're connected to that reality because if there is something that happens and we happen to have visitors in the city, they want to use our website as a portal to communicate as well as access to 
those that are planning these meetings and events. So I feel safe. That's what we will be promoting. And we have already met with and talked to the D.C. Police Department, as we do on a regular basis, to make sure that there is a unified action in place. And the fact that if we need them to talk to meeting planners in terms of what that process is, we've done this before, they're willing to do that. I also wanted to chat with you about virtual and hybrid events, which seem to be here to stay. Destination DC has been at the forefront of this, and a new hybrid studio was unveiled in the fall, along with a new platform for hosting virtual events. How important is this to the city's recovery, and what role do you think it will have for events moving forward? Well, I think at some point, you know, you have to stop sitting on your hands and figure out what you're going to do next. How are you going to be uh, proactive, stay in the game? And that was the goal. As we look at where we were with shutdown and the fact that we've got thousands of associations in our own backyard, uh, I'm, I applaud Events DC and the team for putting together something similar to what they did in the convention center that allows groups to see how they can continue on with the business of having meetings utilizing um, the, the resources in the convention center. So, you know, I think the goal for us is to to look at that as a stopgap when meetings aren't happening at all, but also look at how when we are able to convene in person in the future, you can do a combination of both. And equally as much, how much have the associations and how much have we learned in terms of, well, you had 20,000 attendees in 2019. Now you could have 24,000 attendees with 4,000 of them being virtual, and which is a revenue stream for the association. So I think, you know, through this tragedy um, of the pandemic, we've been forced to think out of the box. And some of those things will will have legs well beyond once we're back on, on track with actually having meetings in person. Yeah. And can you tell me about any of the virtual or hybrid events that have already been held at the Wall Street Washington Convention Center and what's upcoming? Yeah, a lot of it has been tied to, um, you know, our, our outreach to the our international market uh, in terms of things in which we've done to communicate with them what's happening in Washington, D.C. Our mayor has used it on a couple of occasions just to test the technology, as, as well as a few groups have gone in and, and used that technology as well, whereas they have a small percentage of uh, people physically in this space utilizing the technology while it's being broadcast to thousands of people nationwide. The reality for us is that we're not the only city that's using this. And and as a matter of fact, we're actually proactively working with other destinations so that groups will know who has this technology, um, how it works. And if they want to do a meeting in Washington, D.C. using the technology in the next one in another city, we promote that for obvious reasons. Sounds like despite the rocky start to 2021, you still seem optimistic about the future of the meetings industry. You know, I, I joke, um, you know, when when we saw what was happening on the 6th and I said, wow, this is just a continuation of 2020. We were all optimistic that 2021 was going to be a time for change and, and for healing and, and getting beyond the pandemic. So then I said, you know what? The inauguration is on the 20th. How about January 21st? is the start of the new year. Um, so I, I jokingly say that moving forward, I'm a lot more optimistic, again, with the leadership, listening to the science, listening to medicine, and, of course, recognizing the fact that it's not just about the U.S. getting the vaccination as we're hearing different strains from different parts of the globe. We've got to look at it through that lens because if we're really wanting our industry to rebound, we have to make sure that from a global perspective, people are vaccinated. 
We are recognizing the fact that we probably won't return to the numbers that we saw in 2019 until late 2022, if we're lucky. And then as we look at the international market, it will probably be 2025. So if we want to see returns faster than that time frame, we've got to focus on the vaccination. Yeah. Is there anything else that you can add about what's happening right now in D.C. and how the city is preparing to recover from all of this? I think that as we've been looking at how do we market our destination, we've been focusing on a lot of things simply because they did not exist in 2019 and they were created as a consequence of 2020. So everything from protest tourism, peaceful protest tourism and individuals wanting to come to Washington to see Black Lives Matter Plaza, to see where all of the art and the feedback or testimonies from individuals that were expressed that are now on display in front of the White House, where will people be able to see that in the future? You know, I'm having a feeling a lot of that will live in the Smithsonian's. We are focusing on ways in which we can promote D.C. to those that are looking at coming to Washington to learn more about the experience in 2020 specifically. Um, we recognize the fact that we're not going to see the global community return. And right now, we can't have meetings or groups of people over 25 at this point. So we are still in that phase of socially distancing and utilizing the protocol that's in place to be safe. So for us, it's like, how do we capitalize on the, the market that's within 250 miles of Washington, D.C., which is 50 million people? And how do we expose them to some of the unique experiences that you can have in Washington, D.C., including the fact that monuments and memorials are outside, you can socially distance. And then there are celebrations that we want to be able to to focus on, like the 175th anniversary of the Smithsonian's. So we're being proactive as we move forward. We recognize the fact that a strong tourism destination lends itself to a strong meetings destination. So we're putting our eggs in the basket of getting back on track with safety in Washington and encouraging folks to come, take advantage of the lower rates and hotels, and of course, all the free things we can see and do once they reopen. Um, we're excited about our new website, Washington.org, which was launched a couple of weeks ago. And not only are we talking about things that are happening in, in the city, but also our neighborhoods, uh, the, the black experience in Washington, D.C., February happens to be Black History Month, but it's going to live well beyond that for us, as well as all of the other unique things that are opening in the city and ways in which you can plan an itinerary and enjoy Washington, D.C., indoors or outdoors. So we're, we're very busy focusing on the future and still actively involved with U.S. Travel Association. My chairmanship comes to an end in a few weeks, but uh, we're preparing for our day on the Hill, which will be virtual and perhaps a, um, a hybrid meeting, whereas our annual meeting, our March meeting, which normally takes place in D.C., uh, take place in, in Florida, in Tampa. And so we, we feel like we got to practice what we preach. So those of us who can travel will go down to Tampa for that meeting, and, and hopefully we'll continue to see a, a resurgence of the industry through leading by example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And I know that the Meetings and Business Coalition had met last summer in D.C. Right. We Meetings Mean Business Coalition actually met last week, uh, a virtual meeting to talk about the future. We focused on cities and what they're doing during the pandemic to actually have meetings because there are destinations that are not as restrictive as we are right now. And they're doing things such as New Orleans and, and other cities that we hear about. But, um, you know, we are also going to be focusing on meeting in a world whereas people that are vaccinated 
can attend and people that are not vaccinated, there might, you know, there may be some some uh, unique instances, whereas the associations or those that are planning the meetings might have restrictions. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're talking about all of those things, what we can do now versus how we can what we might have to focus on as we look towards the future. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I'm curious if the convention center would ever require attendees to get tested or have a vaccination record, anything like that, in order to be able to enter. Well, I think, you know, it will start with the airlines. I feel that most people that are traveling to Washington for meetings are either coming by airline or coming by by Amtrak. And I would imagine that the, the intermodal transportation systems will provide some type of proof of a vaccination um, or um, on-site testing, because we're talking months before the entire U.S. population is vaccinated, but there's still going to be a need for testing. So it's more along the lines of how can we do rapid testing, what's the process, um, and, of course, what are the airlines requiring for those um, that are looking at flying in the future, which might require proof of vaccination, especially for international travel. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much, Elliot, for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure, Elise, anytime. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review us and check back for new episodes soon.